Would you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for this good opportunity as we talk about what it means to be love in action. Help us to find the good opportunity with our time and our schedules and our calendars and do something good with it. In your name we pray. Amen. So here's the question I want you to think about today. If someone who had never heard of Christmas was to take a look at your life during these weeks in December, what would they think Christmas is all about? Now that question is probably going to make some of us a little bit nervous. It makes me nervous, and I'm the pastor. Because I... I've had seasons where I'd be really afraid to find out what someone would think once they've looked at my calendar and, and see what I do with my time during this season and what my life looks like in these chaotic weeks. In fact, there's quite a bit of fear that runs a lot of our days during this season. Fear that there's not going to be enough time to get it all ready. Fear that we're going to forget to send a card or get a present for everyone on our list. Fear that we will not find the right present. Fear that our version of Great Aunt Sally's gingerbread recipe is not going to be looked upon kindly by older generations. And yet, for all of the fear and worry about this, nobody says, you know, I'm really worried that I didn't worship enough this season. In fact, worship doesn't even make the top 100 list of things that we worry about because, because truthfully we figure, you know, Jesus is going to understand. God totally knows how busy we are. Surely he'll have mercy on us. Of this I have no doubt. But what if Christmas wasn't supposed to be that way? And here's the spoiler alert, it wasn't. But what if God never intended for us to be so stressed out, so overwhelmed, so, so heavy burdened? Do we really think that God sent Jesus into the world to force all of us into being crazy, tired, broke, and broken for a month or two each year? Actually, he sent Jesus for just the opposite reason. Remember, when we light these Advent candles, each one of these candles marks a hundred years of waiting. Four hundred years God's people waited for God to speak life back into their daily lives. They were looking for something different. So I want you to listen to how the coming of Jesus was brought to the shepherds. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born this day in the city of David, the, the Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, that you will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace, peace among those whom he favors. Now, keep in mind the question I asked. 
If someone who had never heard of Christmas looked into the lives of the shepherds, what would they think Christmas is all about? Well, first of all, it would appear that this Christmas is for everyone. Whoever came up with the idea that Christmas is only for those who can afford it, who can spend tons of money on it, must not have known the going pay rate for your average shepherd in the New Testament. Because see, a shepherd was a working man, a hard working man. In fact, the angel of the Lord shows up and the shepherds, they're, they're working. How inconvenient is that? What kind of God just, just shows up when we have things to do? We are busy people. What kind of God does that to us? Important things like work. You can't just drop by the office unannounced. Can, can you? And of course, what's the shepherd's response? Same response of everybody who meets an angel in the Gospels. They're terrified. And we always talk about how terrified they were because they were in the presence of the angel of the Lord. But, but what would your response be if right in the middle of whatever you're doing to prepare for Christmas, the angel of the Lord shows up at your house? In the midst of your wrapping paper and your stamps and your icing, God shows up and sees your life in a state of chaos. Here's the thing, though. That is exactly what God saw all those many years ago. He saw his people, people that he loved so much, in chaos, under extraordinary stress, living these heavily burdened, all-consuming lives in the world. And, and seeing that, seeing that, he came. He, he showed up. He moved in because he wanted to change that for us. He wanted to make the world a different place for us. So the shepherds receive this good news. And how do they respond to it? When the angels left them and they had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. And here it is. So they went with haste. They went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known to them all of these things that had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them, except for Mary, who treasured all these words, and she pondered them in her heart. What I love about this is the shepherds said, let's go now, right now, not tomorrow, not after the holidays, not in the new year. Let's go now, they said. And they did it with haste, which was what exactly Mary did last week when she went to Elizabeth with haste. I wonder about this. It, it, it sounds like they just took off. Now, now think about this. They're in the middle of their work day. Did, did they find somebody to cover for them? Did they just leave the sheep? Did the sheep go with them? I'm very curious about where these sheep are in all of this. Who's got the sheep? My best thought is that the shepherds just decided herd them all the way to Bethlehem. 
It's hard to imagine that, that they could have just called in sick in the middle of the night and they said, okay, no worries, we're sending out a substitute shepherd. It's, it's not like all of the shepherds could just take off all at the same time. So it appears that what they did was they carried on their work in the midst of what was going to be worship. Now, can you imagine, can you imagine if an entire elementary school's worth of teachers just collectively all called in on one day and said, we're not coming in. We're going to go worship Jesus. You would send that poor principal right over the edge. It's not that our work stops as we prepare for Christmas. In fact, it cannot. So then what we have to do is we have to take our work with us as part of our worship. The words that we most associate with Christmas are worship terms. Rejoice, celebrate, joy, praise, give thanks, peace on earth. Certainly then, you are going to want to make time for worship as you thank God for his Christmas gift to you, his son, our Savior. You can worship God in your everyday activities. That's what we were talking about last week when we talked about hospitality. You can do this by performing those activities as though you are doing them for God and carrying on a conversation with the Lord while you do them. That's part of how we can respond to what it is that we celebrate at Christmas, God with us. That's what Christmas is. Christmas is God with us, and if God is with us, then talk to him. Start having those conversations. Jesus is love in action, and, and speaking of that action, I want to look at how the shepherds responded, what they did after they saw Jesus that first time. The shepherds returned, which means they went back to work. They went back to work. And most of us are going to go back to work after Christmas, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds did something in response to this. They glorified and praised God. To glorify God means that, that they praised him to the highest degree possible. So this was not that the shepherds start walking down the road and saw some random strangers like, hey, there's a super cute baby over there. That is not what happened. They were telling everybody they could find the Savior has arrived. The Messiah is here. This is a big deal. So they went and they told others about him. What does your life tell people about what you worship? What does it tell people? Does it tell people that you worship your kids or your grandkids? If you went back and you looked at your calendar for the last 30 days and, and almost every single day, revolves around your kids or your grandkids? Then the answer is yes. You worship your kids or your grandkids. If you will stop at nothing to get them the exact present that they feel that they must have for Christmas, even if it means that you have to personally drive from here to Timbuktu to get it and go broke in the process, then yes, you worship your kids. Do you worship your job? Would your calendar indicate that what is important to you is your job over and against your family and your friendships and your health? If so, then you probably worship your job. And if it's not the job that you worship, 
It might be the money that comes with it. And what about your house? Do you, do you worship your house? I have a friend who spends every waking second remodeling her home or redecorating it for each season. And, and it's, it's amazing because as soon as she's done remodeling and you think it's all done, she's like, okay, let's do something entirely new. And it's constant as, as, if, as if at any moment she thinks her house is, is going to get picked as the centerpiece of a parade of homes. But the crazy thing about her home is it's like a museum. You do not touch anything in her house. If we were back in the, the, the 60s and 70s and 80s, her entire house would be covered in that vinyl plastic that they put all over the furniture. And here's the thing that a lot of us worship. We don't want to admit to it, but we worship perception. We worship people's perception of us. Is it important to you that everyone perceive that, that you and, and your family are the perfect Dickens Christmas? That your Christmas card is perfect? That your cookies are homemade, not store-bought? Is it important to you, not that you wrapped gifts, but that they have all the little extra wrapping things that go with them? Is it important to you how people perceive the perfectness of your Christmas preparations? If that's important to you, if that consumes your time and it motivates your energy, then you worship perception. What we do with our time says everything about what we worship. The shepherds would not have been in a position to quit their jobs after meeting Jesus. They were already pretty low on the economic totem pole. But what scripture indicates is that they shifted their thinking away from worshiping their job to using their job as a vehicle for worship. Mr. Ed was the janitor at Falston High School when I was coming up. And I cannot imagine that being a janitor in any kind of school is ever going to be an easy job. And in fact, it was the job that often made him the butt of jokes of a, from a bunch of very self-entitled high schoolers. And that was if they even bothered to acknowledge him at all. And yet somehow, in between taking out wads of gum from under desks and cleaning up spaghetti that accidentally didn't quite make it into the trash can, Mr. Ed would walk around that high school constantly humming hymns, offering an encouraging word, and stop what he was doing, look a kid straight in the face and say, God loves you? There is nothing you can do about it. Don't you ever forget it. And he did this every day for 45 years. Mr. Ed needed that job. He was 70 years old when he retired. And although he needed that job, he found ways to use that time to glorify and praise God. So when he retired, there were thousands of students, past and present, that showed up to his retirement party or sent in letters talking about what Mr. Ed's presence had meant in their life. And many of them, many of them, in fact, the vast majority of them commented on how Mr. Ed was the first person to introduce them to Jesus. 
crazy thing about all of those remembrances, nobody said anything about spaghetti or gum. They just talked about Mr. Ed's witness in a public school. This week is our Love in Action initiative. I want to invite you to make time for worship. And yes, yes, I want you to be here on Sundays, but I want you to take worship home with you. So could you carve out 10 minutes, 10 minutes each day to talk with God and give thanks? Usually we don't do that. What we do is we get our laundry list together of what God's going to do for us this week, and we rattle it off very fast because, you know, it's God and, and God can handle that. But then we just walk away. We don't even wait for a response. We've gotten out everything we needed to say. So I'm inviting you to start having a conversation. Take 10 minutes. I, I don't care if you're driving in your car or if you're in a waiting room. Just take 10 minutes. Spend some time with God. Or could you call the friend back that you pushed off until the new year you know, the one that you said, oh, I'd love to get together. Can we do it after Christmas? You know, after the kids go back to school or whatever? Call them back and make that coffee or lunch date. Could you read the Christmas story with your family as you're decorating the tree? Here's the one that, that I wrote just for this service, because I, I don't know that the other services have this as much of an issue. But could you, could you... Hold on to your seat here because I'm going to ask you to do something really tough. Could you unplug from social media and for television for just one night? I dare you. I dare you to do it. Could you do that and spend time being present to the people that are around you? Being present before the Lord. Could you intentionally make that time to worship. The shepherds did that. They dropped everything that they were doing. They rerouted their plans, make the journey to the manger. They share in the experience of the gift of God's love. And then they go out into the world and share it with other people. The birth of Christ changes us if, if we let it. It makes it makes Christmas eternally valuable and joyful. Worship, particularly in this season, causes time to stand still. You know that. You know that. That's why everybody loves the Christmas candlelight services, the Christmas Eve candlelight services, right? Because, because for three minutes, or as long as it takes Pastor Sung to sing Silent Night, we're all calm. And it's the best three minutes of Christmas. But it doesn't have to be that way. You could have a whole season of wonder and awe if you would just make the space for it. Let's pray together. God, forgive our busyness. Forgive us our, our one more list, one more present, one more card, one more party, one more phone call. Forgive us. Forgive us for thinking that Christmas is just one crazy train that arrives on the 24th and we go slamming into it and then, then we find ourselves waking up on the 26th as though nothing ever happened. Lord, I pray 
I pray that we would be people that, that are love in action, that will slow down long enough to rest beside the weary road and hear the angels sing. Help us to make that time for worship. In your name we pray. Amen.